Hey, welcome everybody to Hope for Our Times. And uh, it's Sunday, it's four o'clock here on the west coast of the United States. It's 7 p.m. on the east coast. And uh, shout out to you wherever you are South Africa, down in the land down under, Australia, New Zealand, maybe over in Hawaii, Canada, or over in the UK or somewhere else in Europe. Hey, thank you for joining us. And uh, we're getting ready to roll. I have a couple of quick announcements for you before we do, though. One of them is on this coming Tuesday, I will be with Joe Pettick, and uh, that's going to be at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. It's going to be just a, a terrific time. I hope that you can um, hope that you can join us if you're down there in the Calvary Chapel, uh, Huntington Beach area, and also on. Uh, Wednesday, I am going to be at a town hall meeting as we are going to, listen, we, we got to press back. We, we got to get involved. We got to be salt and light in this world. We can't be wimps. We got to push back against the evil that is taking place. And we have some wonderful guests that are going to be joining us. Uh, that's this Wednesday in Hemet, California. Check out the events page. I hope that you can make it because quite frankly, folks, we need to step up the plate and do everything that we possibly can as we march forward. And uh, one last thing I want to ask you to continue in prayer, please. Uh, we've been in Minnesota the last few days. I have been speaking there. I'll be in Orlando with Prophecy Watchers and many others uh, this coming weekend. And then we have a trip to Israel coming up. But I'm going to ask you to really pray about this. Pray for the opportunities. The doors have opened for us in Mexico uh, so many things are happening there, but it's it's a there's a lot of spiritual attack. Appreciate your your prayer, appreciate your support, but we are going to move forward. Listen, we're going to move forward until Jesus calls us home. We can see the finish line, and now is the time to press as hard as we possibly can, not to sit on the sidelines or just take it easy. It's to do exactly the opposite. Hence, that's why we are doing all these things, including the town hall, including Mexico, and everything else. In between. Okay, let's get ready to roll. Here it is. It's Sunday, and uh, we're continuing in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 9, titled this message, It's About to Get Ugly, It's About to Get Real Ugly. All right, before we see how ugly things are going to get, I just want to remind you of this passage, brought it up last week from Amos chapter 3, where Amos the prophet wrote, he wrote this, surely the Lord does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to the prophets. So remember, what do we have? We have the prophetic word of God. He reveals his secrets here. He reveals the truth. He reveals what's coming. Uh, Isaiah chapter 46, God tells us the end from the beginning. Jesus himself said in the Olivet Discourse, when the disciples said, what's the sign of your coming and the end of the age? He listed the many different signs. And then he says, see, I have told you these things beforehand. So we have the prophetic word of God where the things are written so that we can know uh, what is going on. And remember again, the words of Mark, uh, the words of Jesus from the gospel of Mark chapter 13, also the Olivet Discourse where Jesus told us, watch, watch and be ready. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch, not just for his disciples at that time, it is to everybody. So listen, don't be discouraged. The scoffers and mockers, mockers are out there. But you and I, let's press forward together in the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing he has given us his prophetic word. As Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 1, he gives us the prophetic word that shines a light, his light, that light, the light of the word in the Holy Spirit in this dark world. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. Well, let me pray before we get going. Lord, we lift up this time to you. We ask for your ministering as we look at your word. We look at world events, and Lord, help us to have the right understanding as we press forward, doing everything we can for the glory, your glory, in the name of Jesus, amen. All right, so lots of things are going on. Again, I want you to be encouraged before we get too far into this, but uh, check this out. One of the things you may have heard of came up just this past week, Government Floats Plan get this, to freeze bank accounts of right-wing extremists in Germany. I'm not going to get too far into that right now, but I want you to think of that. We have this narrative. Who decides what a right-wing extremist is? Well, let's, um, 
let's shut down their bank accounts. Let's take all of their money. Listen, we saw what happened to the truckers up in Canada. We can see the different events that are going on here right now. You, you look what's going on here in America, and you start to see what happened over the last four years. These globalists were manipulating everything, demanding that you do what they tell you to do or else. Oh, by the way, a Tedros, World Health Organization, that guy, you know what he said at the World Government Summit? He said, we didn't demand lockdowns. We didn't impose, his words, we didn't impose any mandates upon anybody. These people are liars. That's what they do all the time. Their father is the devil. He's the father of lies. And you look, you go, that's what these people are. They are liars. As Micah writes, Micah chapter 2, they stay up at night laying in their bed, devising evil plans to go against all of the people. And when they wake up in the morning, they put it into practice because it is in their power to do so. That's what's happening. They are liars. They stay up late at night. They work with each other. Their father is the devil. They're full of demons. And they devise plans against you and against anything that is good. Micah chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Check it out. Okay, let's move on from there. Check this out. UN's next goals. This is from the New American just the other day. I think it was this past Monday. And national militaries establish global military and disarm you. The United Nations Summit of the Future is being held this coming September in New York City. So, so many things going on, aren't there? We just had Davos, World Government Summit, World Health Organization meeting is coming up in May when pretty much the United States, for all practical purposes, looks like we're going to surrender our sovereignty to the World Health Organization. So Tedros can go up there and say, I'm not telling you, uh, we're not imposing any, any mandates upon you as they lock us all down again. Uh, then this is in September, this UN meeting in September. The summit is supposed to be the biggest UN event in years, uh, maybe even since its founding back in 1945. Although in recent years, the World Organization has focused on selling the global public the climate change bill of goods the lo more lies. Remember, their father's the devil. He's the father of lies. That's why these people are liars. They don't know how to do anything but lie. If their mouth opens, they're lying. They aren't telling the truth. It now appears to be bringing back an old agenda, establishing a monopoly on force. So we think of uh, Revelation chapter 6, right? Going about conquering and to conquer. We think of Daniel chapter 7 with huge iron teeth, this, this beast that morphs into the coming kingdom of the, the, this 10 kingdom empire, going about crushing everything. That's right, a monopoly on force uh, this year. The globalists plan to discuss the disarmament, not only of nations, but of citizens as well. Into, uh, and then it goes on and talks about what they're gonna be talking about here in an upcoming video that they were gonna be doing uh, at the New American, uh, uh, the New American uh, publication. Uh, Alex Newman, by the way, is one of the major contributors to the New American. Uh, you should go ahead and check it out and check out the video where they go into all of those details uh, with that. But let's not stop there. Sen get this, censoring misinformation. Censoring information deemed to be misinformation originates with UNESCO. Again, the UN. The UN is in everything, aren't they? They're over here. They're like a bad octopus. They got this arm in here. They got this arm in here. They got all the, uh, they're, they're, they're into every single thing that they possibly uh, can be. And, and, and listen, it's not just them. Uh, we've seen, what's his name? The, the nut job, the, at, uh, Klaus Schwab. Um, we've got to go after misinformation and disinformation. Again, going back to the article I quoted from just a few minutes ago regarding, uh, regarding was it Germany? Uh, we've got to freeze the bank accounts of right-wing extremists. Well, who do they deem a white-wing extremist? Anybody that they decide is misinformation and disinformation. Anybody who preaches against their global agenda and says, hey, look out, here is the word. All right, a couple more things. Then we're going to get going and we're going to put all of this together. Check this out. Israeli cabinet rejects international recognition of Palestinian state. Okay, so what do we see developing 
just nothing we wouldn't expect, right? Of course, they're going to reject a Palestinian state. The Palestinians don't want an Israeli state. It is the nation of Israel, but the world is trying to force a two-state solution. The Palestinians want no Jews there at all. They want the Jews completely eliminated, but the Jews are okay. Hey, listen, let's live side by side if we can live peaceably, which they can't, not to give them a two-state solution. It's the nation of Israel. But the, the, the world, the Western world large says, let's divide the land. The Muslims over there saying, we're not dividing the land. We're, we want a one state, a state without the Jews. And Israel is saying, hey, we just want to move forward. But God says in Joel chapter three, guess what? We're going to divide, whoever seeks to divide the land, his land, remember, it's his land. You seek to divide my land, I am going to judge every nation that seeks to do that. I think that's one of the reasons why we see the massive problems that are here in the United States of America. We've rejected God, removed him from schools, removed him from virtually everything, mock those who believe in God, mock those who believe in the Bible, and we've not just turned our back on Israel, we are not just abandoning Israel, we have turned against Israel. Terrible what's going on. And then there is this, Ben Gavir um, says he wants to bow, bar Palestinians from the Temple Mount over Ramadan. I look at that, personally, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, bring it on. I'm thinking, wow, can you imagine that? Ramadan's coming. You guys can't go up to Temple Mount. Listen, I've been on the Temple Mount during Ramadan before. I walked up there with a couple of friends, and all of a sudden, man, all these Muslims were coming up there, and I thought we were, it was an interesting time. Live to tell about it, though. But man, was it ever interesting to say the least. Um, imagine, for those of you who are familiar with the situation over there with the Temple Mount and uh, with the Muslims, and, the, and uh, imagine that during Ramadan. Can't go up on the Temple Mount. Talk about Ben Gavir starting a fire. You already got what's going on in Gaza, and you already have the talk of a coming temple. We'll get into that a little bit tonight. But uh, listen, you, you have all this different, all these different dynamics going on and thinking, man, oh man, baby, things are heating up and uh, things are about ready to get ugly. We have the World Health Organization. We have wars and rumors of wars. We have the threats in the Red Sea with the possibility of a, of a ship. Uh, can you imagine the Houthis take out with drones one of the U.S. Navy ships? What, what's going to happen out of that? Wow, I mean, there are so many different dynamics. The threat of a black swan event, the threat of disease X. What interesting days we live in. All right, let's get on with this. Daniel chapter 9, we left off there last time. Let's pick up. Again, just a reminder, Daniel chapter 9, after the 483 years, after the 69 weeks, I'm not going to go into what happens before that, uh, the, the conversation, because we've already done that for the last few weeks, right? After the 69 weeks are done, the Messiah shall be cut off, that's Jesus, but not for himself. So who was Jesus cut off for? Uh, anyone who would believe in him, they would not perish, but have everlasting life. So the Messiah would be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, the end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war. Desolations are determined. All right, so we looked at that last time too. Who are the people? The people of the Roman Empire. Um, and out of the people of the Roman Empire, again, look at this. Uh, we have the rise of Antichrist, the 11th horn of Daniel chapter 7, uh, the, the uh, king uh, that the other 10 kings give their power to, of Revelation chapter 17, the beast of Revelation chapter 13, the first beast, Antichrist. So that's who this is talking about. Antichrist is going to rise up out of this revived Roman empire. And I don't want to spend much time there because we've gone into it, but this is one reason why we believe there's going to be a revived Roman empire. But the, the, the um, uh, most uh, uh, obvious reason we believe there's going to be a revived Roman Empire is because in Daniel chapter 7, you have the fourth beast, which is the original Roman Empire that morphs into the coming kingdom of 10 kings and then with Antichrist leading at the top of that. But praise God, Jesus comes back and he destroys the kingdom and he destroys Antichrist. And by the way, the kingdom of Antichrist and of these 10 kings that all these people are building right now, these globalists are building. That's what's happening right now. They're building it. 
going to be like the shortest lived empire in the history of the world, a maximum life of seven years, but we're experiencing the building of it. Okay, moving on from here, he shall confirm, that'd be Antichrist, will confirm a covenant with many for one week, that's a period of seven years, we looked at that last time too, but in the middle of the week, in the middle of the seven year period, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, which helps us understand there's going to be sacrifices going on again at the temple mount and at the temple. And on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation, which is determined, is poured out on the desolate. Okay, let's start working through this. I know you guys are busy, and uh, so I don't want to take up all your time talking for five hours or something like that. But uh, let's, let's, let's get rolling through this, and I want to get to a few questions too. All right, a lot here, but... We've covered a lot, but there's still a lot more to go. So number one, we know there is a covenant. Uh, with this covenant, listen, this, it is this contractor covenant that marks the beginning of the seven-year tribulation period. Remember what we're dealing with in Daniel 9. A, a one week, right? We've seen that. A seven-year period. That's what we're dealing with. A seven-year period. It's this covenant. It's confirmed. Daniel chapter 9. You just read it with me right? It's confirmed. It's this covenant that marks the beginning of the last week, the 70th week of Daniel, the final seven-year period. Now, with that, some people think, well, the rapture marks the beginning of the seven-year period, or um, whatever it may be. Uh, it, they have all these different dynamics to say, well, this marks the beginning of the seven-year period, or that marks the beginning of the seven-year period. What marks the beginning of the seven-year period is the confirmation of the covenant. Now, with this covenant, a few different things to note. One of the things is it seems to promise peace and safety. Keep that in mind. It seems to promise peace and safety. 1 Thessalonians chapter two, chapter uh, 5, excuse me, beginning, verses 2 and 3. The day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety then sudden destruction comes upon them. Then it continues and says, oh, I'll stop there for right now. I'll get into the rest of it later when they won't escape. But you look at this, peace and safety, peace and security. This is what we're hearing about Gaza right now. When we're looking at everything right now, right? Um, what are we saying is going to be imposed? This leader of the UN said it a few weeks back. The Biden administration, Anthony Blinken, uh, these, these people, the, these Western leaders are saying, we're going to impose peace and safety, peace and security upon that region. Isn't that rather interesting? This whole talk of peace and security is escalating, folks. It's just getting louder and louder. Now think of this, Jeremiah chapter 6. Check this out. This is at the time of the siege of Jerusalem by the Babylonians, when Jerusalem had wicked priests, wicked prophets, wicked kings, wicked princes, wicked judges. They had all these bad people leading everything. Again, no, false priests and false prophets. So much like we, what we got going on today in our world. In that time back then with Jeremiah, we read this. And tell me, this doesn't sound like today. Jeremiah wrote, Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 13. Because from the least of them, even to the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. Everyone is given to greed. Everyone is given to the stuff of this world. I can have more of this. I can have more of that. Give me, give me, give me. Let me build my bank account. Let me build my this. Let me build my empire. Let me build all of these things. Priests, prophets, kings, princes, judges, from the least of them to the greatest of them, and it affected radically the religious community. Every one of them is given to covetousness. And from the prophet even to the priest, there it is again, the religious leaders, the prophet even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. Now remember, Jeremiah was a prophet, but he was righteous, and he was calling out the other prophets. And so we need to... <laughs> I mean, tell me this doesn't look like what you see going on today. Everyone deals falsely. They have also healed the hurt of my people slightly. Now listen to this. Tell me if this doesn't sound like today. 
They've healed the hurt of my people slightly saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. In other words, what they did is they were telling the false prophets, the false priests were saying, listen to the king, everything's gonna be okay, just go along with the system, don't listen to Jeremiah preaching about judgment, peace, peace. They've healed my the hurt of my people slightly. In other words, they're, 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 they're blinding you to the reality of judgment is coming. How many churches right now, do you guys know? In fact, um, I'm, I'm guessing that most of you watch this. You're part of the remnant. You're saying, I can't find a solid pastor who will preach on these things. So you, you, you watch and you see. Uh, you see this channel with myself. You might watch Jack Hibbs or Tim or Pastor Brandon or, or someone, right? And you're going, I, I'm doing that because... I look at these other pastors, I can't find one in my area. I have to drive five hours to get a pastor who has any fire in his bones at all. Why? Because they're doing what Jeremiah is saying here. Read it for yourself. Jeremiah chapter 6, verses 13 and 14. Read it for yourself. They say, peace, peace. They're healed. It's okay. Listen, don't pay any attention to what the crazy prophet Jeremiah is saying. Judgment is coming. Listen, judgment is coming. And, it's, and we have the warnings in the Bible. Again, uh, the Bible tells us, Isaiah chapter 46, he tells us the end from the beginning, right? Uh, Jesus himself said, I already said all these things in the beginning. Jesus himself said, I tell you these things beforehand. Why do we have so many prophetic scriptures regarding the second coming of Christ, warning of judgment that's coming, but hope if you look beyond that, but they're all telling you don't pay any attention. Why is it, just ask yourself this, why is it that 80% of the prophecies in the Bible are all fulfilled, and the only 20% we're waiting for are the ones that pertain to the second coming of Christ. And the pastors, so many pastors are out there saying, don't pay any attention to that. It's all gonna be okay. That's Jeremiah's day. They're saying peace, peace, when there is no peace. It's a lie, right? All of God's prophetic word, the other 20% is going to be fulfilled. Why would God fulfill the 80% and not fulfill the 20%? Why would he put them in his Bible if he didn't want us to know them? Because like Jeremiah of old, he is warning us. Like Daniel, as we're seeing, he's giving us exact details so we can know, wait a minute, there's this kingdom that's coming. It's going to have 10 kings. It's going to be this globalist community. They're going to put in their leader. They're going to have a fake religious leader, a false prophet. They're going to have technology that's going to be so advanced. Everybody's going to be controlled on what they can buy or sell. You aren't going to be able to do anything. You aren't going to be able to get away from it. Wait a minute. There's going to be pestilence. There's going to be, um, we're going to have the sorcerers, pharmakia, right? The suppliers, Revelation chapter 18, you know that, that word, pharmakia, where we get our English word, pharmacies, right? The pharmaceuticals are going to be controlling it. They're going to be making money. They're going to be controlling the masses. Wait a minute. You mean they're going to worship the climate? Wow, the Bible says all these things. Not a coincidence. And there are warnings that we got to have, yet they're saying, don't pay any attention to that. It's exactly what Jeremiah was warning about. Revelation chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. I already quoted it. We have the rider on the white horse. What's he do? He goes about, he, he, he has... He has a bow, and he goes about conquering and to conquer, right? He's conquering. He's destroying. He has a bow, but doesn't say he has arrows, and he doesn't use them. And we know he doesn't use them because when you come to the rider on the second horse, the red horse, that is when peace is taken from the earth. So there's a conquering, a subduing, a crushing of the people without a single bullet being fired. Isn't that interesting? Mandates, laws, rules, regulations, conquering the people, deceiving the people without a single shot. Hmm, looks like we're entering into that time. Okay, what else about this covenant? It will be confirmed. You know, we went over this um, uh, uh, last time. So, oh, let me go back here. Um, Daniel chapter eight, verse 25. I want to touch on this first. Uh, Daniel wrote this about the, the whole peace part, right? Peace and security. This New King James Bible, through his policy, he, it be Antichrist, shall cause craft to prosper in his hand, and he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace he shall destroy many. So again, you have a picture of the rider on the white horse, a talk of peace and security, uh, but ultimately, somebody's gonna rise up out of all the globalist talk right now. Somebody's gonna rise up, 
that the world leaders are going to recognize he's the king of the world. He's going to be antichrist. And he's actually going to be able to control all of the AI technology that's going on too. Right now, he's not the forerunner. The day's coming when he will be the forerunner. Okay, let's get going. All right. This this, this uh, covenant, it's also going to be confirmed. We look at this last time, but the word confirmed comes from the Hebrew word kavar, and um And it means uh, to make strong and to strengthen. He's going to confirm this covenant with the Jews, to make strong and to strengthen. Now, this is really interesting. So a couple of different possibilities with this. One that I've always taught um, is that the word strengthen, it implies there's already a covenant in place, and Antichrist is the one who makes it work, at least for a period of three and a half years, right? Half of the seven-year period. So That's certainly a possibility. There's a lot of different covenants that are on the table regarding the nation of Israel and peace and security, but something seems to be coming. It could be a covenant that he comes up with, and then six months later, he makes it work. We don't know exactly, but it's kind of like, I I would liken it like this, confirm to to make it work, something already in place. It's kind of like you had an appointment with a dentist, and your your dentist appointment is, let's say it's uh, coming up on April 3rd, all right, just throwing a date out there. You got a dentist appointment on April 3rd, and then a few days before the dentist appointment, you get a phone call to confirm it. The appointment's already scheduled, but now it's confirmed you're going to be there, right? So that's one idea of to strengthen, to confirm it, right? Now, John Howard pointed out, and it's really opened up my mind to this, and I think he may be on to something. He says, because this word does mean to strengthen, right? He says it could very well be. So just to think about it, make strong or strengthen. There you see it again. Gabar is the is the Hebrew word. He says, it, what if it means to impose? It's not something that Israel necessarily wants, but it's imposed upon them by the strong man, by the strong forces. If you look back to the EU uh, just a few weeks ago, this leader in the EU wants to impose that peace plan upon Israel. The Biden administration, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, wants to impose this peace and security plan upon Israel. Maybe Haller is onto something with that. I, I do find it quite uh, interesting, but this is going to be, as we saw last time, it's going to be for a period of seven years. It'll be broken at midpoint. Um, and uh, the other thing is that we are told that uh, that that he's when he breaks this covenant, animal that, that sacrifices will cease. Let me read verse 27 again, uh, uh, Daniel. Let me turn over to it. Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. Then he will confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and an end to offering. Uh, by the way, what does he do at that point? Um, an end to sacrifice and offering. I want to get into that because it has to do with the temple, the temple mount where the temple's going to be, and also uh, uh, animal sacrifice, maybe even red heifers. We'll get into that here. Just give me a few more minutes. But what, what the other thing that takes place at the midpoint of the tribulation is when Antichrist looks to just destroy, just wreak havoc and horror upon the Jews. I pointed this out last time, Isaiah chapter 28. Uh, the, the leaders of Israel, of Jerusalem, they enter into an agreement The agreement is annulled. They want to avoid the scourge that is coming upon them. However, they are not able to avoid the scourge. And what happens to them is a terror just to talk about it. That's what Isaiah chapter 28 tells us. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 7 tells us that it's the time of Jacob's trouble. Matthew chapter 24, verse 15 of this, Jesus himself said, let those in Judea flee. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1 says, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Okay, I want to stop here for just, uh, give me 30 seconds. I want you to think of this. You see those scriptures up there, the time of Jacob's trouble, what's that about? The nation of Israel. Um, Matthew chapter 24 Verse 15, let those who are in Judea flee. What's that about? Jerusalem area. It's talking about the Jews that are living there at the midpoint of the tribulation. Jesus himself warned to flee. By the way, the fact that Jesus did this validates these Old Testament passages that talk about what is still coming 
with the 70th week of Daniel or the time of Jacob's trouble, Jer uh, Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7. And then also, in context, Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was uh, a nation. That The whole context is the nation of Israel and the people of Israel. God is dealing with the Jews. He's dealing with them now. And ultimately what he's doing, he's bringing them to that place of salvation and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what we see going on. But it's going to get ugly, folks. And I don't like mentioning that, but it's, it's uh, going to get ugly. Listen, let me say this real quick. I have a lot of Jewish friends. I have a lot of Jewish friends over in Israel. I also have Muslim friends over in Israel. But I was speaking with uh, one of the, my friends over in Israel. He's a leader over in Israel, actually. There was a lunch, I'm thinking, probably about 10 years ago now. And he was bothered by people like me who talk on Bible prophecy and Jesus coming back. And he said to me, he got really kind of angry. And he said, why do you guys always talk about this and you, and you seem to have, just smile? And I said, listen, and I knew what he was saying. He goes, don't you know what's going to happen to my people? I said, I absolutely do. I said, it's going to be a time that's horrific and it's horrible and my heart breaks. That's why I want to get the message out. But I also know this, that there is our only hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's our intention, at least mine and some of my friends. That's our intention to share the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, things, I'm going to tell you something right now. Things are going to get ugly and uglier. I was on with uh, Brandon Holdhouse this week, and we were talking about a black swan event. Listen, coming in, in 2024, quite, quite likely, I would say, which could be almost anything, but catastrophic. We have the threats of so many different things from so many different angles. What's going to happen? James Madison said, Crisis is the rally cry of the tyrant. So you look at everything going on. Let me tell you something. You need to be solid in the word. Don't turn to the left or the right, just as the Bible tells us. Be solid in your word. The deception is going to get greater. The liars are everywhere. So be solid in the word. Have your faith strong. Don't live in fear. Don't be afraid. So many of, There's so many people that hate you because you believe Jesus is coming again that are even in the church and they want to bully you and they want to mock you, they scoff at you, don't live in fear. They'll even say, you know, aren't you afraid to, you know, whatever, you know. D don't be afraid and believe the word. This, remember, this is God's word. God never lies. Stay with his word. He's going to guide us. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is coming. The day is coming, man, when, when we're going to hear the trumpet. It's going to be glorious because we are going home, and it is going to be great. So that's why we can smile, because we can have joy in this world. Even Jesus said, it's quoted this a million times, when you see these things begin to take place, look up and lift up your head with expectant joy is what that means, because your redemption draws near. So that's what we do. Peter said, looking forward, hastening the day of the coming of the Lord. What's that mean? Do all that we can to live for God right now. So we don't live, don't let, don't let the bullies bully you. Put up with that. God's word is true. The scoffers are here. They got an issue with God. On the day, the day those scoffers who call themselves Christians, they'll have their appointment with God on explaining why they mocked you and why they scoffed at his word, why they ridiculed the prophecies of the second coming of Christ. Can you imagine that day? Ouch. How are you going to explain that one? Well, I thought your word was stupid. Well, I thought these people were stupid. I mean, how, do you, how are they going to stand? Uh, how do you do that? When you have a quarter of the Bible is prophecy, how are they going to do that? Where the testimony of, testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You look at this and you go, that's what Revelation chapter 19 teaches. You go, wow. Wow. So be strong in the Lord. All right. So I've talked enough about that. Let me move on. I do want to get to some questions. Uh, what else we can learn from this passage in Daniel? Well, there, was, there is a covenant. Number two, there is a temple. So with that, we note three things. There is the temple sacrifice. There's the temple location. And there is uh, the temple priests. Again, the temple sacrifice, the temple location, and the temple priests. All of these things... Uh, we find reference to. 
regarding the temple itself, Revelation chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, John is told, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there, but leave out uh, the court which is outside the temple, and do not measure the court, for it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. What's that talking about? That is, listen, this is John in the period of the tribulation period. 42 months is three and a half years, right? So there's a temple there. Measure the temple. Measure it. This is what he says. Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar and everything else, even the people and those who worship there. But the outside is given over to the Gentiles. So we know there is a temple. Listen, we also know there's a temple because 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 Beginning in verses, verse 1 says, Do not be shaken in mind or troubled as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So there you go again, another reference to the temple. And these people are saying, there is no such thing. Uh, The Bible doesn't teach such things. Yes, it does. So we know there's a temple. We know there's going to be a temple sacrifice. Uh, We also know uh, about the temple location. By the way, speaking of the sacrifice, I'll get back to this in a few minutes if I can. But speaking of the temple sacrifice, um, you know, my friend Mondo Gonzalez, Prophecy Watchers, uh, he has some great work on the red heifer. And, you know, I've said this before. I used to kind of not really pay attention to it. Excuse me, just one second. Thank you for your patience. Um, I used to not pay much attention to the red heifer. I mean, back in the 90s, I did. At the time, Chuck Missler used to talk about it. Then I got away from it because red heifers would come and they would go and they would come and they would go. They would come and they would go. But, I, but I, I have to admit, Mondo makes a great case for the current situation. We also, I mean, you look, you go, Passover's coming. Are one of these red heifers going to be sacrificed? Let me tell you, would that be a black swan event? Could it be? A red heifer being sacrificed? Could that start off World War III? I mean, you start thinking about these things, and the tension right now, listen, I'm going to be in Israel in just a few weeks. Some of you guys are going to be joining me. I'm excited about that. We're one of the first tours that are going over there. Not many have been there yet. And when we're there, there's still not going to be many. But you look, you go, wow, what? I mean, Passover is almost here, folks. Could that be a black swan event? Listen, whatever, I'm, I'm telling you, man, things are moving. But I'll tell you this. The reason I believe there must be a red heifer sacrifice eventually, whether this coming Passover or soon enough, Daniel chapter 9 says the Antichrist will bring an end to sacrifice and offering. Wow. So how could there be sacrifice and offering without a red heifer? So I'm looking at going, wow, very interesting. All right, where will the temple location be? All right, I'm going to tell you what I think. Check out these pictures. Here's a couple of them for you. Uh, These are pictures I took myself. It's really hard to see the gold dome there, but... um, uh, so I'm going to do a close-up picture, go to the next picture. There, now you see the gold dome. Now, yes, I took these. I know it's a little bit off-center, but I wanted you in this picture to also be able to see the eastern gate. The, now, if you look at the picture right there, the eastern, if you look at, you can see the wall. You guys see a wall there? For those of you who are familiar with Temple Mount, uh, you, you've already located it. But you see a little bump in that wall. That's the eastern gate, uh, also known as the golden gate. The original one is beneath what you see right there. And uh, that's the gate that Jesus, Jesus would have gone through that gate. Um, and Jesus is coming back. The Messiah has come back through that gate, by the way. Uh, it's walled up now, which is also a uh, prophecy fulfilled. Uh, I think it was Solimon the Magnificent that walled it up. But I want you to look at the gold dome. I love being there. I'm going to be with some of you guys just coming up in a few weeks. I'm so excited. We're going to stand on the Mount of Olives, and I'm going to point out that gold dome to you. And I'm going to say, imagine in the days of Jesus up on the Mount of Olives, he's given the Olivet Discourse, and the, the disciples, 
he's standing there looking over his shoulder, just like you guys will be doing, looking over my shoulder, looking at that dome, and there's a temple there, and that temple was massively bigger than that gold dome is. And imagine Jesus talking about not one stone being left upon another, and talking about the abomination of desolation that's gonna come from that place. Uh, and he gave all of the different signs regarding his second coming. Uh, he says, flee Judea, that day is coming when you're gonna have to flee. Um, listen, some people say that happened in 70 AD when, when the Romans destroyed Jerusalem. How, it couldn't have. Listen, Jesus hasn't come back yet. You know, I mean, you look at that, you go, wait a minute. Jesus, I mean, so, I mean, Jesus hasn't come back yet. It hasn't been fulfilled yet. So when Jesus is talking about those things on the Mount of Olives, wow. And at the bottom of the Mount of Olives is, the, is Gethsemane, where Jesus was betrayed. Uh, you look at all of these things, but I want to show you this Temple Mount. All right, now here's a video I did uh, uh, when I was there. This was a while back. Uh, Monkey was there with me. David Tal is there with me. And we were just talking about uh, this gold dome that is right behind us. Uh, it's only about a minute long. Check out this video that we did, and then I'll be right back. Check it out. Hey, check it out. Guess where we are? We are here on the Temple Mount, and behind us is the gold dome. Uh, David Tal and Monkey Monkey, it's your first time. What do you think? This is insane, and uh, I'm glad it's peaceful, but uh, just absolutely amazing to know the history behind all of this learning it from the the best tour guide in the world right here don't, and this don't is... tell them that i mean it'll go to my head you know <laughs> yeah amazing though simply yeah. amazing what do you think should people come visit oh, jerusalem my. with yes. us yes this is definitely a bucket list thing you got to well, do it listen, i know it's a little bit tense and i know it's a little bit weird and it's even raining now but there's no other place like this where god taught us all so many different lessons literally on this mountain i mean that connection and the connection between the past what's going on here and the future, I think, is amazing. Yes, I agree. Bye. Shalom. All right. I just wanted to see you guys to watch some videos with my friends. But that was really cool. Monkey and David, and that was Monkey's first time over there at the Temple Mount. Being able to stand there, and like I said, some of you guys are going to be there with me in just a few weeks. Uh, I'm excited about it. But that place is so significant. That is the bullseye. Now, many of you are going to want to argue with me. Temple's not there, it's down the city of David. I can argue with you about that right now, but it's not. Never was for like thousands of different reasons, um, <laughs> which I'm not gonna get into right now. But uh, listen, I look at that gold dome someplace, the temple at the gazebo, that's just north of the gold dome there. You didn't see it in that picture. Uh, it, it could have been, that could have been where the Holy of Holies was. It seems to line up with the Eastern Gate. Uh, but I believe it's where that gold dome is, and something's going to happen. Could you imagine an air rocket from Hamas or Islamic Jihad hits that gold dome? Wow. And Saudi Arabia has already said, some clerics over in Saudi Arabia, that Temple Mount is nothing, there's no importance to Islam with it. They'll even talk about the Al-Aqsa Mosque like that. Like, no, the, the Temple Mount, I mean, if you look at, listen, if you look at, historical writings coming up, coming from Arabs and Muslims pre-1940, even since 1948, pre the whole Palestinian cause that came about at the time of Russia and what's his name, Yasser Arafat, right? If you go just before that, you find out, listen, the Arabs and Muslims are saying, this is Temple Mount, this is where the Jews' temple used to be. There's all kinds of history on it. So that temple's going to come. Can you imagine the red heifer gets sacrificed coming up here at Passover? And the talk about the Temple Mount. Listen, we're at the Temple Institute, which we're also going to be visiting, by the way, here in a few weeks. You see, people say, well, why would you go visit these things? Because we understand the implications when this, uh, that this temple is going to be built. I personally believe the temple that's coming is not the temple of God, but it's the temple of Antichrist. When 2 Thessalonians 2 says, the, the uh, Antichrist sits in the temple and demands to be worshiped as God, the temple of God, it's the thought of the people, it's the temple of God. The real temple of God is coming, Ezekiel chapter 40 through 48, when Jesus Messiah returns. But nevertheless, the implications are astounding when you start looking at everything that's going on. And you look at the war in Gaza, 
and you look at all of the, I mean, the priestly garments are done, the altar of sacrifice, virtually everything is done. All of the instruments are necessary. Everything's done and ready to go. As soon as the Jews get the green light, you can start the temple sacrifices again. You can start worship again. We're going to have a temple. I'm telling you, the day is coming. And when people say, stop talking about this, even in the prophecy world, they say, stop talking about this. The day is coming. And the reason I know the day is coming is because it has to come. So when I see these things that they're developing at the Temple Institute, I see that about the red heifer. I stand up there on the Temple Mount. I know clerics and imams have said that actually belongs to the Jews. I know the archaeological facts uh, on where the Temple was. And, and I realize all of these things are coming together. Folks, it is not a coincidence. So not only are the really big events, these ugly things are going to come. Listen, they will come. They're going to come. But also we see the, 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 this temple's going to be built and everything is getting ready to go that way. And folks, we need to be ready. All right, I got to get some of your questions. So let me hurry through this. Last point, there is an abomination also. I meant to say there is an abomination. It says the is an abomination. My fault. Please forgive me for writing that in there. However, this is what Jesus says about this in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. He says, therefore, I looked at this briefly last week. This will be even briefer right now because I want to get to the, the next part and then take your questions. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house and let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are uh, nursing babies in those days. So the abomination of desolation is coming. Um, it, it, it is an abomination. It's disgusting. It's detestable. It's idolatrous. Whatever it is that Antichrist does, it will is desolation. It will destroy. It will, uh, it will devastate. And again, note this from Daniel. It's the abomination, as Daniel writes, that is determined. Wow. Look at that. On, and on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate even until the consummation, verse 27, which is determined. It is determined. Who determined it? Not Satan. God did. God has determined these things are going to go, but God works with the wicked hearts of men. God's not the wicked one. These are wicked men. Just like you have the 10 wicked kings of Revelation chapter 17 who give their power and authority to this guy that we're reading about right here, who sits in the temple, demands to be worshiped as God, the great abomination. The 10 kings give him their power and authority, give him their power and authority. But a few verses later in chapter 17 of Revelation says, God put it in the hearts of the 10 kings to do that. God's the sovereign one. God has determined that his purposes would be fulfilled. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, you've seen this before too. 70 weeks are determined for your people, literally meaning it is settled. God has settled it. A seventh, uh, uh, a seven-year period is coming. The final seven-year period is coming, and this is what it's going to look like. So folks, when we see these different events going on and we look at the Bible, that's why we get excited. And that's why we say we need to warn everybody about what is coming. And the abomination of desolation hits. Jesus says, man, you're in Judea, flee. This is when you enter into the great and awesome day of the Lord. Malachi chapter four, verse five. That's what he calls it. Check it out in your own Bible. The great and awesome day of the Lord. What does this mean? I'm going to tell you right now what this means. You ready? This means Jesus wins. He is going to judge all wickedness. Uh, he's going to, listen, he's going to come back. As verse 24 of Daniel chapter 9 tells us, this, this, this seven-year period, it's settled, it's going to happen. What for? Uh, for your people, the Jews, for your holy city, Jerusalem. So that's why we talk about this. That's why. People say, why do you pay attention to that? Why do you not pay attention to that? How can you not when you see everything going on? None of this is a coincidence, folks. 
What for? Jesus wimps to finish the transgression, verse 24, and make an end of sin, make reconciliation for iniquity, bring in everlasting righteousness, seal up vision and prophecy, and anoint the most holy. Folks, Jesus is coming back. Surely, Amos chapter 3, verse 7 says, the Lord does nothing unless he first mentions it through the prophets. It's all coming together just as Jesus says. All right, I want to get to some of your questions. There's some I have missed uh, uh, of late, and I want to make sure I answer these questions. So Annette Hamilton said on YouTube, uh, I'm going, and this is just the other day, but I, I saw it. And I said, let's pull it back up because I, I felt bad. I should have addressed it, and I ran out of time. So Annette, I hope you're watching right now. I'm going through a serious dry numb spell in my relationship with the Lord. Question is, do you know what causes it and what to do about it? Listen, uh, Annette, I'm gonna tell you something. I think pretty much every Christian does, and we, we all should be paying attention. A admit it. For somebody who says, oh, I never go through anything like that. Well, you're Mr. Perfect, or you're Miss Perfect, or whatever it is. Yeah, you've arrived somewhere I haven't arrived. Nobody else I know has ever has arrived. Then maybe you have. But I think we all go through some more serious dry spells, some more difficult times. I got a text from a really good friend of mine uh, earlier today, solid believer, been a solid believer for even longer than me. He said, bro, please pray for me. I'm going through, it was all the spiritual dynamic. And there's this oppression. Listen, remember, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in the dark places. And they hate you if you're a believer. And the more, of, the, the, the more you want to do for the Lord, the more you're going to be oppressed. Let me tell you something, man. I go through some miserable stuff sometimes. I, my sleep is horrible, and I'm not the only one who has miserable sleep who's, who's pressing forward for the Lord. But, but I found I have to get up, I gotta open up my Bible, I gotta read the Word, I pick up wherever I left off yesterday or earlier in the day when I was reading, I pick up right there and I have to have the Word. I've gotta have it and I will enter into prayer. You know what I did the other night, Annette? Maybe this will help you. Because it was just a miserable spot. Let me tell you, it was not pleasant. Just tell you that. So I just took the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thou, right? But what I did, I took each phrase and I prayed it. Our Father in art in heaven. And I thought about it. Lord, what does that mean? You're my father. And then I went in to equate it to what does it mean to be a father to a child? And that, and realized, wait, if God loves me so much more than I could love my own child, right? Does that make sense? So I went through it, kind of my heavenly father. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your, what does it mean to, hallow, to praise his name? So what I did is I got my mind set according to the prayer that Jesus said to pray. Jesus himself said, um, pray, pray like this when the disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. So he gave us a format. You, you praise God. And, and at the end, it's, it's give us this day our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I went through every single one of them and realized God is the one who gives me all of these things. But sometimes, listen, I, I, that's what I had to do the other day because my mind, I could not get my mind set right on the Lord. Uh, one more thing to think about sometimes, and, and I would encourage you to do this. I've had to do this many times in the past, and I'm sure I will again is uh, when you look at the Old Testament, you might remember where Saul was oppressed. Now, I'm not saying you're like Saul, right? Saul the evil king, or the first king of Israel who really blew it. I'll put it that way. Um, he's oppressed. When David came in and strummed the harp, the stringed instrument, uh, this evil oppression went away and Saul was at peace. And I have discovered, man, sometimes I, what I need is some good, worship music, not some loud headbanging stuff, but some real, with me it's, it's hymns, maybe on a piano, maybe on a stringed instrument or something like that, that's just kind of chill, that gets my mindset, and man, it helps, but you know what else? I have to do it all the time. I mean, I gotta get my mindset all the time, and it can't be just one and done, like I did it now, I'm not gonna do it for a month, no. Give us this day our daily bread. So each day, right, uh, the Old Testament encourages us it's a daily thing. So uh, I'm not sure exactly all the things are that you're going through or the struggles, 
but do your best to, to get into that habit if you've gotten away from it, or maybe you're already doing those things. Listen, it's seek to ask God to help you to pray better, to even pray more. I say, Lord, teach help me to pray. Uh, and, and I go down that path. And I think almost everybody goes through those things. I could give you more, but I hope that encourages you or anybody out there. Be in his word, do your devotions, right? And worship the Lord with music, good music. Even in the New Testament, you see the Apostle Paul encouraging that in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, right? So you have this format. You've got to do it because the enemy hates you and the fiery darts are always going to be shot at you. I even pray, Lord, quench the fiery darts of the wicked one because, man, you can feel them and you're discouraged and you're in a dry spell and all of those things. So I hope that helps. Uh, Monica Lambert on the website asked, Revelation 13 verse 16 refers to small and great taking the mark. Does this mean children will be taking the mark? Uh, in that context, it's, it's, um, uh, it's uh, you, okay, think of it with Revelation chapter 6, the kings and the slaves. The great people and the not so great people um, will be taking the mark. But in the sense of children, you got to look at it in biblically, and I know this is a really hard one for anybody to swallow, but you got to look and go, okay, what's, oh, look at parents now um, that are forcing their kids to go through gender transitions. Look at parents now that are just doing this really wicked stuff. What happened to children during the time of Noah's flood, right? They were, they were caught, they were, uh, they died physically um, in the flood. But you look at it in the case of children, you look at what's going on, the spiritual dynamics now. You look at the Old Testament when God uh, told Israel to wipe out the Amalekites, for example, or the Amorites. There would have been children that were involved in that. Um, so it speaks to a wickedness that we, we look at. But ultimately, uh, the implication is for uh, both those people who are great and people who aren't great. But you could also say, by extension, yeah, older people and even uh, younger people. Uh, Victoria M. via YouTube said, and this one of them, I think I'm catching up on this one too. Luke 21, 28 says, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Isn't that for the Jews since believers are already redeemed by the blood of Jesus? Um, well, that's a good question, except I believe it applies right now. It's going to apply even more during the tribulation period, right? So what do, so we're already redeemed. The, the thought there is our redemption draws near in the sense of our being caught up to meet the Lord in the air. It's, it's basically game over because the, it, it all follows the question of the disciples, what's the sign of your coming in the end of the age? So Jesus listed all these different signs to tell him I'm coming back, and he concludes with that thought. Uh, look up and lift up your head because your redemption draws near. Does that make sense? So everything is going there. So he's, uh, when you see, and he's saying, when you see all these things converge, Israel's a nation again, all of the other events of the, of the uh, Olivet Discourse that he spoke about, plus all of the other signs in the Old Testament and so forth, when you see all these things begin to converge, while Israel is a nation again, what are you to do? Look up and lift up your head because your redemption draws near. Ultimately, all these prophecies, the final, the, the, the fulfillment of application is going to be during the tribulation period. And, and that obviously is speaking to believers, Jewish and Gentiles, uh, ultimately in the tribulation period. Because they're excited. Look up, lift up your head, your redemption draws near. It, and it's only going to apply to those who are paying attention. If you're not paying attention, which would be a non-believer, uh, it wouldn't have any application at all because you wouldn't care. In fact, you'd be like Revelation chapter 6, excuse me a second. Revelation chapter 6, where the small and great, free and slave, are saying, fall on us and hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. That's the non-believer. But the believer, wow, Jew or Gentile, right, that is saved. The, the thought of redemption wouldn't be in their mind if they weren't saved. So this is for those who are saved. Look up. If you're saved, you're going, yes. Lift up your head. Oh, yes. Be encouraged, in other words. 
with expectant joy, your redemption draws near. So the ultimate application is going to be for those living during the tribulation period that have come to faith in Christ, whether Jew or Gentile. And um, prior to that, even right now, as we again, when you see these things draw near, folks, we are seeing them all converge. We're seeing them all draw near. Hence, we have that great hope. Listen, God bless you guys. See you tomorrow. Bye. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.